You're listening to the We Lead Well podcast, where well-being matters. The show is brought to you in partnership with Transform Education Coaching, headteacherchat.com and the Teach Well Alliance. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the We Lead Well podcast. I'm Vicky Maguire and this week the episode will focus on the menopause. Now the We Lead Well podcast was created to support well-being in schools and to ensure that leaders in schools can lead from a position of wellness. Now With over 60% of the teaching workforce being women, the menopause is a major aspect of well-being in schools and it should be a major part of any well-being policy in a school. However, I don't think from what I can gather from conversations that I've had uh, with various school leaders that this is actually currently the case. And in order to ensure the well-being of all members of a school's community, to be inclusive in our well-being policies, we need to do more to raise awareness and support those members of our school communities who are experiencing the symptoms or health issues of or to do with the menopause. And that's why I've asked Nikki Bright to come on the show today. She is an expert in this area, having experienced the menopause herself and of having experienced a number of symptoms that have had an impact on her well-being. She is now um, an advocate for spreading information and awareness about the menopause in schools and supporting schools to do more to support members of their school community who are experiencing the menopause. Nikki was a headmistress of Bruton School for Girls for eight years, and she also chaired the Girls Schools Association's Professional Development Committee, and she was a Girls School Association Council member. And it was a really interesting conversation that I had with Nikki, and we we looked at some of the key issues to do with the menopause that are having an impact on women working in schools at the moment. And I want to make the point really clearly that this is not just a women's issue. It's really important that if you are a male school leader or teacher or husband listening to this podcast, please don't switch off now because you think that this episode has nothing to do with you. As a leader in a school, you have a responsibility to look after the well-being of your staff. And it's really important that you understand the issues and the health conditions and the symptoms and how women can be affected by the menopause. So I just want to tell you a few facts first about the menopause. I know Nikki goes over a few more things in the interview, but the average age for women to reach menopause in the UK is 51. But perimenopause and symptoms can begin much, much earlier than that. And they can continue up to and beyond the age of 55 for some women. So if you think of the demographics of our schools, that would suggest that a seriously high number of women 
in a school are probably experiencing some form of menopause symptom. And about 80% of menopausal women are in work. And of these three in four experience symptoms and one in four of them experience some serious symptoms. And don't forget as well, menopausal symptoms are not exclusive to women in the age bracket that I've just referred to. They can actually affect many younger women who are undergoing treatment for many different medical conditions um, and surgically induced menopause if they're undergoing treatment for cancer, endometriosis, which is a horrendous condition, if they've had a hysterectomy or infertility, all of these things can also cause menopausal symptoms. And as an employer, you have a responsibility to support these women through the challenges that they will be facing as they go through the menopause. So here's Nikki. It's a great interview. You're going to learn so much about how you can put a policy in place to help you support women going through the menopause. Enjoy the interview. Nikki Bright, welcome to the We Lead Well podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you for asking me along. You're welcome. I have been interested in the menopause for a while, obviously being a almost 45-year-old myself, um, but as something that I feel is not really addressed and, and not really talked about, it's been a bit of a taboo issue for, for a number of years. Um, and I think things are just coming to the fore. So um, let's get started. If you can just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, first of all, and who you are and what you do. Um, and then if you can just tell us a little bit about why you want to get people talking about the menopause. Absolutely, Vicky. Yeah, thanks. Well, um, I'm Nikki and um, I'm a former head teacher. I used to um, be head of Bruton School for Girls in Somerset and I'm now a leadership development coach and um, I've been doing that now since uh, September. So I was in, in school during uh, the start of the pandemic and have set up the business um, uh, with the rest of the pandemic. So just to put a timestamp on, on where of we're you. at. <laughs> Um, well, so that's where that, that, that's where we're at. And um, I'm in my early 50s, 54. And um, this is something that sort of crept up on me um, through where, when I uh, through my headship, actually. And so um, it's funny, I started to notice um, that, you know, think stupid things like my, my, my shins were really itchy and I didn't really think very much of it and put some, put cream on it and what have you. But when I got to 50, I decided that I was going to do a health check, you know, one of these Booper health checks, in, invest in myself, um, moving forward. And I went along and, um, I started talking to the lady doctor there, uh, about how I was feeling about things. My uncle had just died and, um, um, various other things that happened and you know I hadn't been doing as much exercise as I usually did I was sort of lethargic and a bit tired and I sort of linked everything together anyway she asked me a load of questions um, you know as they do with these things you'd expect and um, she sort of finished with and, and is your skin really itchy and I said you know my shins have been very itchy um, over the last little while and she said I think you might be perimenopausal um, and, and, and uh, you, you know, you should think about that and started giving me some advice about it. And I was shocked that somehow this wonderful lady could could say, 
I mean, clearly she'd asked lots of other questions, but that she could say that for, on the basis of, uh, you know, finally my, my itchy skin. And I, I had noticed that, you know, I used to be the sort of person whose head hit the pillow and I was out for the count and then up, not necessarily with the lark, but, you know, up first <laughs> thing the next day. Um, but what was happening was I was waking at two or three in the morning and my heart was really racing. Um, and it was a physical thing, you know, um, because it was like clockwork, two o'clock in the morning, hearts racing. And so I was sort of doing breathing exercises and getting myself back off um, and what have you. Um, but it was it was it was a bit it was a bit strange. Um, and so I, I sort of forgot about the Booper health check. Um, you know, you get into the, the normal day and, and what have you. But then over the next year or so, um, I found that um, I, was, I was really quite run down. I got a really bad chest infection and um, the antibiotics, you know, I had several courses of antibiotics and it just wouldn't go away. And um, then one morning I thought, gosh, I think I'm, I'm, my, my heart felt really bad. And I said to my partner, I want to go and get this checked out because, you know, I, um, it's important. Um, and I went to the uh, hospital and they, they checked me out and it was, there was no problem. There was nothing physically wrong, nothing at all. So when I went to the doctors again for another bout of um, uh, antibiotics, she said to me, I think you should think about HRT. And again, I'm sort of like, I'm sorry, um, where's the connection here? She said, you're so run down because you're not sleeping properly, that you're not fighting off your chest infection. You've just been to the, um, to the A&E for something that there was no physical symptoms there whatsoever. Um, she said, you know, I think you need some, some support with this. And she was menopause trained and not many GPs are. It's not actually part of the compulsory um, GP training, Whoa. which is shocking. I find that yeah. really shocking, but it's not. And um, so, so she said, you should try HRT. And I'm not the sort of person who likes to take pills um, yeah. at all. So I went away and I did a lot of research and I came back and I said to her, I'd like to, like to do CBT please, you know, because um, there's a school of thought that that's really helpful. And she said, yeah, you, you know, I can, I can certainly get you to do that. There's a little waiting list, obviously, but, you know. Um, but she said, with a job you're doing, HRT will have an instant effect and you should really consider it. It's got some protective factors. It'll help strengthen your bones and so on and so forth. You know, it's not what it used to be. Um, and so I decided that I would. And, you know, instantly, I couldn't believe it. Instantly, I slept through the night. I had more energy and I felt more like myself and what didn't feel like I was going crazy anymore. Yeah. And um, it was just, it was really shocking that, you know, somebody, you know, I'm, in, I'm an intelligent woman and there are lots of intelligent women out there. We've had, we had so little education about menopause other than how not to get pregnant with your cycles, you know, yeah. Yeah. then they stop. And, and all you're told is that they stop. And um, of course, that's it's great news that um, since September, um, it's being taught about or needs to be taught about in schools. Obviously, people will need to be trained for that. But um, that you know, so, so so the generation coming up are going to know about it. It's certainly, my generation, possibly your generation. You know, um, we don't know enough. Don't know enough about it. And there are there are over forty symptoms that each woman has in a unique combination. So it's really difficult to pinpoint. And so many, now I've done all this research, 
I find out about so many women who go to their doctors and who get diagnosed with antidepressants or other sorts of medication that's not appropriate because they're feeling a bit lethargic, they're feeling a bit down, they're dealing with elderly parents or they're empty nesters and so on. And the automatic reaction is, oh, hop her on some antidepressants, when actually HRT could, could be, be of huge benefit. It's interesting, and clearly, you know, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. I was just no, going to no. say, it's interesting, isn't it, that so many women start to go through the menopause and actually have absolutely no idea that that's what's happening to them. I find yeah, and, that absolutely more, staggering. It, it is. The more women I talk to, the more that is the case. And hopefully, you know, uh, uh, with with more talk about it and more awareness about it, um, you know, in lots of women will not... Find the, but it sort of creeps up on you, you know. It's it, these symptoms, as I say, that they're, they're unique to each individual woman. Yeah. And, and it, but but the interesting thing is, I, I, one of the other reasons why I'm so passionate about this is this is not just a women's problem. I was it's, just going to say to you, there'll be men yeah. listening to this who are thinking about switching off and going, oh, actually, this isn't this isn't a show. This episode isn't for me. And actually, I was just going to say to you yeah. before they switch off. And no. I, I'll put something in the introduction as well to try and prevent that. Yeah. Before they switch off, tell them why they shouldn't, Nikki. Well, it doesn't just happen to women in isolation. You know, women mm -hmm. have families, they've got partners, you know, uh, friends, colleagues. Everybody knows somebody going through the menopause. Everybody, with grannies, yeah. whatever. And it, so it it's affects the communities and the people around them, you know, their work colleagues and so on. And so it's really important to me that more people know about this because we've got um, the we are the fastest growing demographic in the workplace, um, menopausal women. And that means that there's, you know, more women in leadership positions is forecast that about uh, one in six uh, women in the British workforce in, 20, in 2020 will be women over 50. Um, and so, you know, that whether, whether the pandemic has an effect on that remains to be seen because it's known that women, you know, have, have been disproportionately impacted um, uh, by, by the pandemic. But, it, you know, they are the fastest growing demographic in the workplace. Um, more uh, women are in leadership positions as a result. And, you know, more women in women in their 40s now earn more than they do in the um, uh, in the preceding decade for the first time since records began. So there are more senior women, um, yeah. you know, and, and women in leadership positions um, who, like me, may not realise um, that, uh, you know, they can get support and, and, and very quickly. Um, which will help them because not everybody you know so many women affected in this way um, leave work I was talking to my accountant actually um, and she left her really great role that she was doing um, because she just and, and, and she didn't work for a period of time she's working part-time now uh, because of, of the symptoms and she didn't realize that that was the and it's only now sort of you know I don't know five years later or so that she says I think that was I left I left because I just you know had run out of steam because of the menopause and actually I could have had some help because um, we don't we don't know enough about it as women do we I was just thinking then for yeah. for most people uh, they think that women get really snappy and have hot sweats and that's yeah. about all people know about it isn't it and, yeah, all, and, and there's a sense that almost you'll get through it 
you'll, you'll come out the other side rather than thinking about how can we support women in the, in, in the family, I suppose, and in the workplace to cope yeah. with what they're going through to help them so that they can go through it and not have to just be constantly thinking about, oh, it will be over in X amount of yes. months. Well, for some women, it's, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> so a, it's not a short process, is it? I mean, for some it is, you know, for some it isn't. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's for some, some women do sail through and that's, you know, that's, that's fantastic. But most women don't. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's figures about how many women, um, you, you know, say that they can't. Um, that, so March 2019, 59% of women aged between the uh, 45 and 55 who were experiencing menopause symptoms said it had a negative impact on them at work. And that's from a West Midlands police survey where over 80% of women said that their menopause symptoms affected them at work. And in fact, the, it's really interesting, the police have done an awful lot of work about um, supporting women with menopause. They've had a national menopause conference since 2013. Um, and uh, that really surprised me. Mm. I um, was talking to the head of the Old Girls Association at my school, who uh, was a policewoman at, at, at the time, and sort of throwaway comment you know oh you know uh, just having a bit of a hot hot moment and she said oh we've got menopause um uh single points of contact spots at work um i could put you in touch with the lady who um uh, organizes them because i'd also told her i was going to talk at the girls schools association conference um about this to raise awareness and so I got in touch um, with her, um, Julie, um, she's an absolutely brilliant lady. And she told me that over half of Avon and Somerset Police's workforce um, are um, women. And of that, something like 35% or you know, over a third um, were women aged 45 plus. And um, so actually menopause awareness has been a big focus for them. And they've got lots of things um, in place from different uniforms um, and more uniforms so that women can change when they've um, you know yeah. been drenched in sweat um, uh, fans uh, because lots of their offices are those air-conditioned offices and I suppose that's true of many PFI schools as well you know the sort of air-conditioned sealed units yeah um, and, and and so on so uh, and seating women near um, near toilet facilities um, in case they need them um, as well and providing storage for this. There's lots of little practical things that can be done to help. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think probably the first thing to do, um, would you agree, is increase awareness of Definitely. the menopause. So how do we go about that, especially in schools um, where people, I think they're just so busy and there are so many other things on the agenda. How can leaders in schools ensure that there is awareness and there is a focus on on menopause yeah well I think it needs to be needs to be talked about and not shied away from I think you know whole school aware whole whole staff awareness um you know of, of how this um affects people you know simple as simple as a 45 minute an hour um, twilight session or something like that to raise awareness and to, to, to raise the conversation um, as well. So I made sure that I talked about it, um, not 
to the exclusion of other things, but that I wasn't embarrassed about it. Um, I, I was very nervous the first time I stood up and I, I gave an assembly. And in fact, it was one of the tutors said coming out of the assembly, you know, she'd overheard a girl um, talking to her other girls, to other, other friends saying, oh, so that's what's up with my mum, you know, <laughs> um, and, 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 and sort of understanding. Because I'd said in my assembly, you know, look, don't think that wonky hormones are the preserve of the teenager. They're not, yeah. you know. We, women have wonky hormones throughout their lives. Get used to it, girls, sort of thing. And um, and and so we did used to talk about it a bit quite openly, you know, um, and um, in terms of meetings and opening windows and moving about and, and, and that sort of thing. So I wanted it not to be the taboo that it had been. But but to start off with, I was incredibly nervous about mentioning it. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but I think it is a, it is a taboo, isn't it? It people mm. feel embarrassed now because it's like yeah. um it's like the menstrual cycle and periods. It, yeah. You know, you can if, if if there's a conversation about it, you can feel people start to withdraw from the conversation, can't you? Be like, oh, I really don't want yeah. and it, it's it's something that's happening every single day to women around the world, and same with the menopause, and yet it's become yeah. it's always historically been something that's not been talked about and it's about it's about overcoming those barriers isn't it that you know yeah. you don't have to be embarrassed you can talk about it and it's good to talk about it and it's good yeah. to promote awareness of it and and not feel awkward and embarrassed well I mean you know I think Les Dawson did a lot uh you know in terms of uh, uh making it difficult for women really in terms of reinforcing that 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 taboo um you know uh, taking that taking the mickey out of women um mm. in, in in that in that phase i mean victoria wood did it much more much more sympathetically i'd say yeah as she would <laughs> yeah she would yeah bless her um but really i think you know um it's only since kirsty walk did a really great program in 28 2017 i think it was um and she describes it as the best piece of journalism that she's most proud of um, that she that she's done and I, I'd agree with her it was a brilliant program and Mariella Frostrup followed it up the following year doing doing something about it as well um, and it's only really since then with these women uh, talking about it that um, the conversation has really properly properly started and campaigning it was cross-bench campaigning um, both conservative and labor MPs campaigning to have menopause sort of um, taught about um, that made the, this change come about with the sex and relationships um, education, um, whereby menopause will be taught about um, in schools or, or ought to be um, taught about. Now, you know, obviously people need to be trained in order to, 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 uh, to do it justice, but, and they're not gonna do more than, you know, an hour or so right. I can imagine within within the curriculum on it um, but it's important that it's done that it's done well and there's some great organizations out there and um, like and you're this... saying if there are 40 symptoms and everybody has them in a unique combination strangely when you mentioned the itching it made me go oh my goodness I've been suffering from such itchy legs um, and it made me think you know perhaps if you put that yeah. alongside <laughs> other symptoms that I've been suffering from, maybe. Um, but if you don't know what those symptoms are, it, it, 
you you would like you're saying pass it off as oh it's because it's winter and my legs are dry so yeah. you're trying to use moisturizer <laughs> and then you're still not or you know lots of the other symptoms if you've got a list in your workplace up on the wall for example or you've had that hours training you might go it could be a moment where you go oh my goodness and then you yeah. can go to the doctor how else would you suggest that schools support women going through the menopause what other things can they put in place well i think um you know that there needs to be um openness but not embarrassment from uh leadership in having conversations with themselves because many of the leaders will be um in that in that position as yeah. well but also some fle flexibility if it's possible to look at you know temporarily because uh, most many women don't want to stop work um, you know, they would actually like to continue and, and just have some adjustment th through this period. And, and although some women, it might be, you know, 10, 10 or so years for many, it's not, it's, you know, four or five. Um, and as I say, it creeps up on you. So um, the period of time that you might need to make adjustments for might not be as long as you might think, but simple things like you know, letting women have fans and making sure that they can, you know, store sanitary products um, in the in the loos, if, if you know, or near the loos if they need some emergency stuff. Or, you know, is there a sh working shower in school that they could get cha changed in? For some, that would be that that would work. Um, but having a sympathetic uh, or an empathetic rather than sympathetic conversation um, with with with. Um, a woman going going through this because they may not realize that they are going through it so actually raising it with the woman herself um, is, is just as important but in a in a really supportive way um, I think the NEU have done a really great menopause toolkit um, and I would uh, really recommend getting hold of that they've got a model policy they've got and, and some model sort of checklists for people who are uh, representatives and people who are leaders and uh, in individuals themselves of, of things that you could do. And, you know, um, I, I'm not a great advocate of more policies for policy's sake, but they do say, if you ask somebody um, in an organization about their maternity or paternity um, policy, they pull it off the shelf. If you ask somebody about their menopause policy, there's sort of silence because people just don't talk about it. Yeah. And they certainly don't have a policy. When you mentioned policy, then I thought, I wonder how many schools actually have a policy. And you, like you're saying, schools shouldn't have policies for policy's sake, just so it's sitting, getting dusty on the shelf. It should actually be a policy that's used and is actually a live yeah. policy that people refer to and that people know about and I assume I assume with a policy like this it would be mm -hmm. one of the more useful ones yeah well that you, you talk about raising awareness how can we raise awareness having a policy yeah <laughs> immediately uh, it promotes discussion of why have we got this policy and oh what's in this policy and oh you know so you know and even if I, su I suppose even if you have a staff briefing in a morning and you've 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 decided you're going to introduce this policy that you you can even in a five minute briefing in a morning say we've introduced a menopause policy and 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 it just and just little things like that just bring it to the forefront don't they even if you're not doing an hour's training session on it yeah. just those mentions at opportune moments make a difference Indeed. 
Indeed, and if you if you were to if you were to invite comment on it before you implemented it, you've got several touch points there of raising the menopause policy in the staff briefing. Yes. You know, um, sort of as you as you put it up, um, uh, and uh, as it becomes as it becomes reality, rather than so you get you know three or four mentions um, of it. We're thinking of doing this. We'd like some feedback. We're, we've done this. We'd like some feedback on the draft. You know, this is going out. If anybody is, you know, not yeah, if yeah. anybody is, anybody who's going through the menopause currently. Comment on it, you know, yeah. it's, you know, um, and, and so on. But, you know, it's really interesting uh, being in touch with women who are raising awareness and providing sessions in schools, but organisations and businesses. It's really interesting um, how many men are interested in coming and getting support because their wife, their mother, um, you know is going through it and they want to know more about how they can support um, through because it, it does have an impact on families and communities um, and so on as well so um, raising awareness can only be um, a really good thing I think for everybody. Before we find out more from Nikki about how you can support those going through the menopause in your school I'd just like to talk to you a little bit about our partner Head Teacher Chat. Head Teacher Chat discusses lots of topics from how to support pupils with learning, how to support parents, and the many issues that come with leading a school. The aim of Headteacher Chat is to support headteachers and school leaders who are in a challenging and often lonely role. They do this by offering lots of information for schools to tap into. For example, they have lots of fantastic education companies on their database for leaders to discover, as well as leadership templates to download. They've written product reviews for leaders who are looking for products for their school. And this year, They've even launched the very first School Leader Planner, especially designed to help leaders to be productive and organised. If you'd like to hear more about Head Teacher Chat, you can find them on their website at www.headteacherchat.com. Head Teacher Chat. It's what head teachers are talking about. Now let's get back to the interview. I know there are, there are a number of governors who listen to the podcast um, so what would you advise governors to do in order to improve? I, I'd, I'd really um, encourage them to have a conversation about with the, with the leadership team about, you know, what they are doing to support women um, going through menopause and whether they've considered a policy and Im implementing um, a policy um, to support women going through the menopause. Um, so raising that conversation, it's really part of the equalities and diversity agenda that, you know, all governors um, need to be raising across the board more um, anyway. Um, you know, it, it's important from an employment law uh, perspective, uh, you know, as well. It's in the interests of organisations to support uh, people with perimenopausal and menopausal symptoms. That's a quote from ACAN. You know, um, they need to retain skills and experience and not lose it, you know, and um, I know that, again, the pandemic has helped teacher retention to a, to a degree, but this is a prime um, demographic uh, with great experience, um, you know, to, to retain them um, is really important. And, 
it's important that the leadership team don't fall into a trap of discriminating against people because of their their sex um, and their age um, and and some would say that you know menopause can fall into disability with certain symptoms as well so there's three protected characteristics there um, you know for, for governors to to be challenging their leadership team on how they're supporting um, their, their staff and so on and it's important from a health and safety perspective um, as well. So I think a lot of head teachers might not realise that they could be breaking employment law if they don't create the right environment for a woman going through the menopause. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, from a, from um, an EDI and uh, equalities, diversity and inclusion perspective, um, it's really important that they do support um, menopausal women um, because of their their sex and their age and for some women it could be with some symptoms it could be classed um, as a disability as well and there are health and safety uh, considerations as well because employers must ensure the health and safety and welfare um, of their of their employees at work so there are Im important considerations here you know the Equalities Act um, and health and safety uh, legislation as well. But it's about, I think, um, you know, retaining and um, a superb bit of their workforce with loads of experience. Yeah. Um, you know, it costs less to retain somebody than it does to recruit somebody um, and to and, uh, recruit and train uh, somebody with that level of, of experience. So um, it's, you know, it's a really important health and well-being matter. Um, Do you know, but it, it's interesting that, I was just thinking about schools that I've worked in and there isn't one school that I've worked in where there was any focus on menopause whatsoever. But what I can uh, think back to is quite a number of female teachers or leaders who've retired at the point where they're probably experiencing going through the menopause. I think many people... No, certainly I've got, got in mind several colleagues over the years that I've been in teaching who now, looking back on it, it's obvious that they left, um, you know, because of this, not having the support for the symptoms that they, and, and lacking the awareness probably that they were even, this was even a problem um, for them, just sort of ran out of, ran out of steam in that way. Um, and, and, you know, what a great shame for the profession, um, really, when with some, small areas of support, you know, perhaps HRT to help them, um, you know, we'd have had that experience in the classroom for those young people yeah. uh, such a long period of time. And um, it's interesting when we look at the, the broader picture of well-being and how menopause sits under that umbrella. Um, it, it's about, like, I think on so many shows we've said is it's not it's like well-being isn't a one-size-fits-all and this is an important element of creating that culture of well-being in your school. One of the things I was talking to um, Dame Alison Peacock about was the idea of people talk about work-life balance but for me it's more life balance and when everything is on an even keel you can cope with all the different elements and aspects of your life but the danger when we think about reaching burnout or stress um, press, pressure becoming stress is when one of those elements of your life is out of kilter and is not in balance with the rest 
And that's a danger, isn't it? That's a flashpoint, no pun intended. <laughs> that's, a, that's a flashpoint for women who are going through the menopause. And it actually could be the thing that triggers going from pressure to stress or pushes them towards burnout and reaching that point where they think the only thing I can do is mm. stop teaching or leave my job as a head teacher or deputy head or whatever yeah. it might be to create that, to get that balance back again. I think you're absolutely right, Vicky. And, you know, so many women, I think, you know, that, that the balance is out, of, is out of kilter. And with just, you know, certainly I found that the HRT just absolutely helped, uh, you know, and made things so much more um, straightforward and manageable. And I was, as a head teacher, actually, you've got more flexibility over your diary and your time. So, in fact, you can manage arguably perhaps better yeah um certainly i never felt that you know my work um was had suffered um as a result of what um what i was going going through but but personally i wasn't managing myself um as well as i might um and so it made it the hrt just helped and sorted that out you know immediately and that's one way, isn't it? I, I was thinking with what we've talked about so far in the interview is very much how an organisation can support an individual going through the menopause. But how do you support yourself? And like you're saying, if you're a head teacher or you're on a leadership team, you do have more control over your diary and the way that you work. If you're I suppose a leader in a primary school, it's different because you probably have a teaching workload and your leadership workload as well, which I can imagine is horrendous um so so how can you as an individual first of all thinking about recognizing the symptoms and then if if people have listened to this and thought oh my goodness maybe mm. i'm going through the menopause or i'm perimenopausal what should they do how should they go about finding out and then doing things to be proactive about it's it really to look after themselves they do and that they do look after themselves there's all sorts of really brilliant support groups out there if they wanted to just find out a little bit more to start off with there's some great people on twitter um there's talking menopause um, the newsom clinic um diane danzebrink um these are all and all uh, great women who are um the newsom clinic in particular one of their the things that they're doing is they run a, a sort of charitable arm to uh, educate GPs and make make it that one of the campaigning things is to make it a compulsory part of that training, uh, which, as I said, it isn't at the moment. And it um, should and be. It, and, it sh and it absolutely should be. Yeah. Um, you know, alongside their clinic work that they do with individuals. But, you know, such is the demand for this sort of clinic work that it, it, appointments at the Newsome Clinic take, you know, between four and six months to get um, because there's such demand for it. Um, but if you follow them on, on Twitter and, and as I say, Talking Menopause, Menopause Cafe, um, you can get some really great information and, and, and uh, educate yourself so that when you go to your doctor, you are armed with some really great information because all too often you will be dismissed. Um, so always get a second opinion um, as, as well. Look, you know, look after yourself. Don't automatically um, uh, take antidepressants, um, you know, when you're having a difficult time. Um, you know, for some people, that's absolutely the right thing to do. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, um, 
if, the, if this is a menopause issue, um, HRT is so much better um, for you. So, and 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 I guess the I will put um, a link to all these organisations mm. and Twitter um, accounts that you're referring to in the show notes. But they're not only for women who think they might be going through the menopause or are going through the menopause. Are they? You know, if you mm. are a man listening, they they would be really useful sources of information so that you can find out more and be more informed and if you're a woman in her you know if you're a leader or a teacher um in your 20s or 30s or early 40s it's really important to be well armed with the information that you will need when you reach that point in your life so they're not just there for women going through the menopause or about to go through it they're there for for everybody to become more aware and, and better informed aren't they absolutely are i mean talking menopause um they actually go into uh, places of employment so they would come into schools and and talk to staff um you know uh, so some some leaders listening to this might think who can i get in well i'll happily come and talk but equally you know there are other organizations who would also come in and talk to schools um you know and and do a short twilight session you know nowadays over zoom um which i'm doing with other schools you know doing a zoom session for staff um at the, at the end of the day um just to raise awareness because if we're happy to teach about it well, we need to know more about it ourselves to, to, to start yeah off. and i'm assuming that these organizations will provide maybe posters and yeah. um, things like that that people can put up in the in the staff room on the staff room notice board as well absolutely and the as i say the neu um have got some great resources there including posters um as well um in their toolkit um, great so they're, they're definitely worth a look at um, and I know there are a number of um, people who listen to the show who are well-being leads in their school. And I wonder how many well-being leads have actually had some sort of focus or have um, looked at the menopause in their school and how it how it fits into uh, the well-being culture of their school. So I think it's really important that if if we have listeners who are well-being leads in schools, that they make this a priority moving forward as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, prime time with everything being revisited because of the new um, sex and relationships um, education uh, things coming in, in in September. So this is a prime time for everybody when they're all looking at their curriculum. Yeah. In an ideal world, what what would you expect schools to do in terms of supporting women going through the menopause? Well, I think it's uh, the conversation um, is is so important to work out what it is that the individual needs and wants because yeah. what one woman wants, another woman won't. Um, so having developing the culture where people feel comfortable and uh, um, to talk and trust people that they are talking that they're not going to be ridiculed parodied you know it's not going to become a topic of uh, a topic of joke um, because these are real issues that women are women are facing it's interesting that you that you should point that out that it, it's not something that should be ridiculed or or joked about or taken lightly um, not that we're not that we're being I don't know whether you describe it as woke but no but that <laughs> that we are you know accepting that this is something that is is 
is serious and nobody minds people having a, a joke about something occasionally do they but but that it is an issue that needs to be taken seriously yeah it's a culture of trust isn't it where you know that what you say is going to be listened to and or heard rather than rather than um, just passed off um and, and 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 ignored and i think being being heard is so important isn't it um and e yeah each woman will have a, a different need and experience as some women will sail through um you know many won't and that's the same with uh, with the menstrual cycle as well isn't it you Absolutely. know there are lots of it it's, a lot of people are very flippant about it and usually it comes from their awkwardness with it so you know saying things like oh is it your time of the month or you know there, there are lots of people who make who make flippant yeah. remarks and jokes about it but I think it's the same with all well-being issues that we've discussed on the show. If you can create that culture in your school of openness and people feeling comfortable to approach, not necessarily the head, but maybe someone on the leadership team or their line manager, to be able to say, this is what's happening to me. And then mm. for the school or the person in the school who they're talking to to say, OK, tell me about it and listen to them, let them talk about it and share their experiences. Mm. And then to say, okay, what do you need? And when you ask the question, what do you need? Not to just ask it because you feel like you should. No. You ask it's it because you're actually prepared to, to put changes in place and do something about it. Yeah. And it's what, you know, it's very much what do you need? Um, you know, you, you know um, and, and many people won't necessarily know what it is that's possible. So talking that through with, with them is, is really important. And I think that's why perhaps, you know, going back to what you said about what's the minimum that you'd expect, um, perhaps then that comes with raising awareness amongst staff and, and, and having a session for their staff uh, yeah. to this um is so important i was just thinking about in a in a secondary school it's potentially different from a primary school because it's a much bigger school but to have support within your department as well and to be able to feel like it's something that you can share with the people who you work most closely with is really important as well in a primary school it's slightly different because the team is is generally smaller um, yeah. but it's about feeling comfortable to be able to share what you're going through with your closest colleagues isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely that's why you know it's not just leadership teams it is line managers um you know who and and generally i'd i'd say therefore everybody you know because uh, who doesn't like a sympathetic cup of tea you know <laughs> every now and then whether it's yeah. for their menstrual cycle or because they're having other difficulties you know um it's about well-being isn't it yeah, and it's about being able to feel comfortable and, I suppose, looked after, really, cared for, yeah. that, that somebody's looking out for your interests when you're going through what can potentially be quite a challenging stage of your life. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. And generally, there's lots of other things happening at the same time which make you uh, feel like that anyway, With as I, as I mentioned, you know, kids moving away from home, elderly parents, you know, um, or, you, you know, uh, deaths and so on in the family, you know, all of that, that sort of thing can come together and you're sort of responsible for it um, at that, in, in that demographic. 
I um, I was reading on Twitter about a school where they have, um, I know there are a few schools who do this, where there are, there's a counsellor available. Um, and that I think that could make a difference as well. It, if, you're not, if you're not comfortable speaking to your line manager or your head teacher, that yeah. provide someone else to be a listening ear for, for their staff. That's something we provided at, at, at Bruton for whatever reason, you know, um, all, all girls and staff um, that were able to access the counsellor for a period of time um, uh, to help them. So uh, confidentially, on a confidential basis. And yeah. I think it makes a huge difference to helping people at points where they, they need it. I really hope that um, if we've learned one thing from the pandemic, it's that we can be more flexible in schools. Because when I was working in schools prior to the pandemic, I always found that they were very inflexible, that there's this sense that we follow this timetable and everybody has to be in this place at this time, because otherwise it can't possibly work. Whereas I think the pan pandemic has taught us that we have had to be flexible. We have had to make changes to that and do things differently. So yeah. I'm hoping that in terms of supporting people better in the workplace, whether it's a mental health challenge that someone's facing or whether it's the menopause or pregnancy or, or all of the different things that, you know, the challenges that we face at different points in our lives, that schools can start to be more flexible in their approach to supporting people going through those challenges. I completely agree, Vicky. You know, I really do. For some, for some women, being at home and close to their loo and facilities and so on you know and being able to go and change easily it will have been life-changing you know and and being able to be at their computer to do something so so being able to have a bit more time in the morning having not slept all night mm -hmm. um you, you know th those sorts of small things will have made a huge difference to, to some women um uh, you know and as you say it's a wider issue in terms of all sorts of different things that people face throughout their careers but it's about considering how we can try and replicate those conditions in a school and you'll never replicate them exactly will you but but what we can take from that and actually thinking about how we can adapt our workplaces to be more supportive if you could let's just have one tip for perimenopausal or menopausal women and one tip for for a head teacher in a school that would that you think would make a difference as a starting point what what two tips would okay. you give? So, so perimen perimenopausal women, it is um, arm yourself with facts, research, and know know the symptoms and know you know what the possibilities are, so that you can um, have a sensible, really good discussion with your GP and have the courage to go to another one if you don't feel you're being treated. Um, you know, in, in the way in which you, sh you should be. So that would be my one tip for perimenopausal women is educate yourself. And then for, for leadership, again, I suppose it's the same tip, but a slightly different slant, you know, make sure you are educated um, about this and think really carefully about how you can raise awareness, um, uh, whether that is, uh, you know, making, having more discussion about it in conversation, uh, putting posters up, writing a policy, um, but really think about how you can raise awareness because uh, by doing so, you'll help um, retention um, of some really super staff. 
I mean, there's a there's a huge mountain to climb, isn't there, in in terms of menopause awareness and um, workplace adapt, adapt, adaptations and things like that. But I suppose every every climb up a mountain starts with the first step, doesn't it? It does, absolutely. Yeah, that great quote. <laughs> I don't know who said it. <laughs> Some sort of Chinese philosopher, I think. But absolutely right. You know, if we don't if we don't try, we're not going to get there small steps thank yeah. you so much for joining us today i'm sure that there's been so much information there that that people will have um taken a lot from and and they'll be able to go out and and use that information to to make a difference in their life or or the life of someone in their organization so thank you so much if people want to find out more about you um because you said you know you you would come and speak to people where can they yeah. find you Absolutely. My website is brightlead.co.uk um, and my contact details are there. Um, I've got a Calendly uh, link so you can make an appointment and have a chat with me um, if you want me to come and come and talk. But brightlead.co.uk. I'm also on Twitter. Um, my handle is at Nikki Bottrell, my previous name, but you'll see it comes up as Nikki Bright. But at Nikki, at Nikki Bottrell, B-O-T-T-E-R-I-L-L. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn, Nikki Bright. Um, you'll find me there. Great. I'll put all those in the show notes. Thanks again, Nikki, for your time today. Not at all. Thank you. I am really grateful to Nikki for coming and sharing her own experiences and giving us advice about how we can better support those experiencing symptoms of the menopause in our schools. I think it's so important that awareness is raised, that it becomes something that we feel that we can talk about. And I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there when we're talking about menstruation and periods um, and the menstrual cycle and all those things. They're still things that make people feel awkward or they find it cringy. And actually, it's a major part of life and it has a major impact on the well-being of our staff in schools. So it's really important that you take it seriously and that you take your responsibility as an employer seriously to look after your staff. And like Nikki said, some people are suffering so badly from the menopause that it can be classed as a disability. So it's really, really important that we get things right in schools and that we offer the support that people need. And I'll go back to what Helen Kelly said in her episode of the podcast. Ask your staff, what do you need? Be prepared to have that conversation. Don't be embarrassed. Just try to have the conversation if you possibly can. Find out what your staff need and then do the best that you can to support them and help them to do the job to the best of their ability. What we don't want is women leaving the profession, leaving it early or leaving it for ill health reasons. We really need those women in our schools and it's really important that we support them. So if you would like Nikki to come in your school, get in touch with her. I will put all of the details if you want to get in touch with Nikki in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you for listening. I've got listeners all over the world and I want to just say hello to those people. If you are listening in a far-flung corner of the globe, thank you so much for listening. But thank you to all our listeners. We have a Facebook page. I would love you to join. So just search in We Lead Well in your Facebook and you can join our group. 
that would be amazing. And I will be starting to take bookings for my next group coaching program, which will start in September. So if you are interested in that, that would be amazing. You can get in touch with me via the website. That's at www.transformeducationcoach.com. Thank you so much for listening. I will speak to you next time. Take care of yourself, take care of your staff and lead well. This episode of the We Lead Well podcast was brought to you in partnership with Transform Education Coaching, headteacherchat.com and the Teach Well Alliance.